can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Welcome once again to the Green Dragon Podcast, episode number four. I am your host, not Travis, I am Jeremy. Unfortunately, Travis has been unable to make this episode due to an unforeseen event, which we might elaborate on later, or not. But for now, you are stuck with me. With me, I have Danny. Hi. Welcome, Danny. Tienan. Hello. Tienan is an old hat, so he's here to moderate my comments and my uh, (laughs) hosting. And we have, is this your first time, Charles? Uh, I believe so, yes. It is. Well, as is our tradition, for the first time, we get to grill you with all kinds of questions about your background. If there's something that gets a little bit too personal, you may choose not to answer that question. We've had had some incidents where people have said something a little bit incriminating, so it's better if we don't do that. Yeah, we've had some very strange comments there. I may not be able to answer any questions then. (laughs) So, Charles... How long have you been playing Lord of the Rings? How did you get started? What do you enjoy doing there? Why don't you play particularly much? And how much do you like the current host? Go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing a lot of people started the the game this way, but I went and saw the third movie in the cinemas and I was... A um, novel approach? ...really enamoured by the valiant defenders of Gondor, the men of Minas Tirith. So I went out a very short time later and got my mother to buy me the rule book and a box of men of Minas Tirith. Despite the fact that the lovely person in the Games Workshop tried to sell me a starter set for, I can't remember how much more. But, a um, starter set for Space Marines or a starter set for Lord no, of the Rings? No, Lord of the Rings. Oh, good, good, good. good. <laughs> Different experience than mine then. <laughs> yeah, so I've been playing since uh, 2003. So better part of a decade? Yeah, better Probably part a bit of more a decade. at the moment. Now you nice. all know how old I am, I guess, roughly. And but, is it true that as a music student, you weren't particularly good during year 10? Yeah, I guess I wasn't the best student, but I was probably one of the funniest in the class. Yeah, you were relatively amusing. <laughs> for, for those who don't know the background, showing our, all our ages back in uh, the 2000s, I actually taught Charles for a semester, had the displeasure of it. Unfortunately, I didn't actually teach him anything because <laughs> his capacity to learn was somewhat limited, but I'm pretty, sure hold I can, I'm pretty sure I can hold a decent conversation about bark now. Oh, absolutely. As episode one of our Bark podcast, we would like to introduce <laughs> Danny and Tiernan and Charles. <laughs> the topic for today is inspiration for, for creating models, for putting them together, and also how to convert your own models, how to change them up. Converting is something that we're all passionate about here. We all like to do some individual takes on the models. We like to be unique, except, of course, Danny, who likes to copy everything I do. Yes. (laughs) But we really want to share some of those ideas with you. So, like Danny, you too can copy our ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, Tiernan, how do you get inspiration for creating models for our Lord of the Rings game? Well, yes, what I mostly do is uh, look at models that I want to field that uh, I... GW hasn't either hasn't released yet, or they're too expensive, or I'm just too poor. One of the two, well, one of the three. And uh, two and three are the same thing, though, relatively. C- kinda. No, because too yeah. expensive is like 120 dollars a model, but Tinan is too poor. Yeah, so I, I, I am pretty poor. <laughs> okay, but depending on the model, I'll just grab bits and pieces from different plastic kits and just kit bash. Uh, like my Osgiliath veteran army. There was no way in hell I was going to buy 
all of those one-pose metal Ausgiliad veteran models. So I copied some of Danny's ideas. <laughs> Ooh, I like this. For the veterans and mixed in a whole lot of orcs. Okay, so, so you uh, totally, totally misunderstand my question. I was, was asking it? about how you get inspiration, not how you convert it. So what I've got so far is you're inspired by the ability to save money by creating <laughs> holes in the range, by fusing together models you obtain for a low price in order to save money. I actually want about your inspiration. What do you, where do you get those ideas from? Let's talk about the conversions a bit later. So I'm going to try and keep it off topic. On topic. <laughs> off topic is what I usually do, but on topic is off what topic I Off topic is now. my favourite thing though. <laughs> I know, I've got the cast. I signed up for like a conversion podcast, not an inspiration podcast here. Oh, okay, sorry. In that case, oh yes, inspirational bit, speaking. A bit absolutely. more <laughs> uh, on topic then. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I like the idea of certain factions in non-standard settings. For example, I, I've been doing my own dwarf army in uh, sort of an ice theme. Also, would li- very much like to see I'm a desert claim dwarf that army. Idea is mine. So, are you inspired by the the ice, the the frozen water, or the ice, the drug? <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> there we go. One begets the other. <laughs> Excellent. I'm not particularly happy with that answer, so I'm going to have to go to one of our other hosts, Danny. How do you become inspired to create models of your own ideas? <laughs> okay, there goes being inspired by other people's and forums. Well, when one has a lot of spare time because they are on a train or in a lecture at uni, you Both. tend to easily get distracted and think of the awesome conversion ideas you will make when you get home, which never happens because you have to do the study because you weren't concentrating in the lecture. Aside from that, you know, Tolkien has written a large amount of Fluff for the Lord of the Rings, pretty much. And, and so is GW. Yeah, I'll, we ignore GW. Other three hosts fluff. look at you with mean faces and go, Fluff? You're going to call Talk literary fluff. masterpieces fluff? Oh, I yeah. wouldn't go so far as saying literary masterpieces. Fair enough, fair enough. Above average standard books that have stood the test of time. <laughs> go on, Danny, we've derailed Tolkien's you. Tolkien's contribution was not writing literature, it was writing really good books. Fair enough. So there's a lot of, say, if you're looking at the children of Huron and stuff, a lot of inspiration to get, say, Turin. A man with a cool big sword, magical sword, in high elf gear with dwarven armour. Some good inspiration for a nice, really awesome character model here, if you want to do First Age. I don't. So if I remember correctly, Turin was the one who had the sword Glaurung, was it? Um, Sounds right. And basically the sword betrayed him at every moment. It was a talk real talk. tragedy. It's was that of, the sword that could talk? Because I think I've seen yeah, something like and it, that it somewhere. It basically killed all his mates. And, Wait, and, was, and was Turin the one who married his sister? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. But it's he didn't, like, wasn't aware of Spoilers, by the way. Bad things Spoilers from a book from... Bad yeah. things happens. Bad things, bad things, bad things, yes. Mm. It was a tragedy. It was a really, really good tragedy. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm. So inspiration from heartbreaking tragedies. Charles, what about you? Most of my inspiration would come from the movies and the books. I can't say I've read the Silmarilli, so... I don't really know that much about First and Second Age Middle-earth. I tend to think about what-if situations, like what if Gondor was fighting in another realm, stuff like that. What if the dwarves were an expeditionary force and fighting somewhere else rather than in their mountains and hills? Yeah, I kind of form ideas in my head by smashing the things I see in the movie with, with like other areas that, of Middle-earth, basically. Excellent. That's probably the closest to the correct answer. The correct answer, of course, <laughs> being... Does that mean the... I get my C+. Plus? <sighs> yes, you get yes. your C+. Plus. <laughs> I'll have to repeat. My thoughts on that is that I like to go through the books, go through the movies, 
find the characters that are missing and really create a story for the models that I create. So at the moment, one of my forces that I've been enjoying playing is my Numenor one, but we're a bit light on in terms of characters. So I really would love to create a some scenarios based on the Second Age where the men are fighting against Sauron. And you could go and have some Numenorean cavalry or some Numenorean elites or a Narian or yeah, any I'm other really missing characters. I'm really surprised that Narian hasn't been given rules yet. Yeah, it does surprise me as well. Oh, no, no, he was given rules on a white dwarf yes. a while ago, but that doesn't really count. I think they sort of gave up a bit on the Second Age and the First Age stuff and really concentrated on the War of the Ring, for better or worse. I think they've just gone whole movie mode on everything, really. And yes, like yeah, Everything fair that wasn't in the movie they've kind of ignored, but that could be to do with license, licensing agreements and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's something we probably won't get the right answer for and we're not going to hear about it. That's some inspiration there. Sometimes it's a visual thing. So I think what will it look like if I have an orc with some different armour or have a new cap? I think Games Workshop took a leaf out of that book when they sort of made the orc captain that had the Gondor breastplate on it. I thought that well, was a really cool model. That's straight out of the movie. Is it? Yeah, there's a nice picture of him on the army books. No, oh, okay. The, on the old war books, the old captain, the old yeah. with Gondor armor. Yeah, that, that's oh, one of I my favorite old captain I models. I think the Return of the King one. Um, the old, you know, third edition war book. Oh, yeah, I'll have to I, go I back and have a look at that. And, and going on that, there's actually some articles years and years ago on the White Dwarfs where they're filling out holes in the ranges, fiefdoms, Mordor, yes. and they had oh, troops yeah. that basically they did... The conversions that Tina was talking about before, where they took a plastic model, chopped the head off one, put it on another, and, and vice versa. It got some really good effects and some really crappy effects. When I started, I saw that as what to do. But is that inspiration or just copying someone else's idea? I don't know. Danny, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, inspiration is comes in many, many forms. You could be inspired by a, a flower, but isn't that just copying a flower if you make your model look like a flower? So you're just copying nature. And most inspiration comes from a place, you know, is copying something else, isn't it? Okay, so know. Danny's argument is that it's okay to copy copying. other players because it's inspiration. Fair enough. What is it? Plagiarism is the sincerest form of flattery? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Try telling that to the university board. <laughs> we won't talk to that. To Please don't the let them listen to this podcast either. On the bottom of your model, you have to reference Jeremy... 2010 publication or something. You know, yeah, that, that's true. Style. Especially if I backdate them and then I can claim I own them before Peter Jackson had them. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, copying events from the books, inspired, we use those terms interchangeably, as Danny strongly argued. What about non-Lord of the Rings, non-Hobbit-based inspiration? Any ideas for your models from outside sources? I feel like I'm a bit of a Lord of the Rings purist and I kind of don't like mashing games together, though I know a friend of mine who I gamed with in the very early days of my gaming career did um, sort of try putting um, Warhammer High Elves in with his normal High Elves at one point, <clears throat> and I that see. was kind of interesting. So inspired by other game systems is, yeah. is an option there, yeah. so using the aesthetics from like taking from um, Warhammer or... yeah. Yeah, and the troop types they had in there and trying to replicate them in Lord of the Rings. It's pretty cool. Or even just some of the poses, because there's... Those multi-part plastic models. <laughs> They're not all multi-parts. No, but it was before Lord of the Rings had multi-part plastic models, so... You know. Does Lord of the Rings... Lord of the Rings doesn't really have multi-part plastic You poses. guys are getting off topic there, oh. and as the host, I'm going to have to put a stop to that right now. <laughs> bad, bad. 
other game systems. The, the fluff of other game systems. Yes, stories from other game systems could I'm definitely... I'm trying to avoid them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Denny's, you could again. do with historics, like, say, for instance, Perry Miniatures have a really good historical range, some really good plastics that you could use for, say, they've got Armored Knights for Dianroth or Numenor, alternative Bowmen, Spearmen, Saga sort of things make great downloadings. You can yeah. get inspired by other things. We've got Wild Men of Dunland. Well, what do Wild Men of Dunland look like? We've seen the movies, but there's plenty of other ranges and stuff you can get inspiration from. Yeah, I've, um, historical events. I agree with that. I, I was hoping someone would say that. Some of my conversions for Grimbold's Helming has been based on historic models. I think they're either Saxons or Vikings or a combination of both. But the idea of taking something from history and giving it a little bit of a Lord of the Rings feel. So I took those models, I gave them throwing spears from the Lord of the Rings range and shields from Rohan, but still had that Viking feel, and I'm quite happy with them. I think they, they look the part, and they're slightly bigger, slightly burlier, but I think that works quite well. And I think I got them uh, one of the Warlord games or one of those ma- games manufacturers. So history, but also historic well, miniatures, I think are a good inspiration. We all know that when Tolkien was writing Lord of the Rings in The Hobbit, he did pull a fair bit of his inspiration for that from history. I think everyone knows that, absolutely. <laughs> History being, at some GW tournaments, you can't use, you, you officially can't use those models. Yes, that that's true. There's sometimes a limitation on where you can use your models. For most of us at this table, we sort of ignore that rule totally. <laughs> My theory at the moment is that if you've done a conversion well, no one cares. It's when you've done a rubbish oh, one yeah, that people yeah. people don't like it. So I've actually played a lot of non-historic, uh, sorry, non-Games Workshop models at Games Workshop tournaments and haven't really had any problems. But I guess that depends on where you are. And technically, they probably have to tell me off, but good luck. And Anything else on inspiration? Uh, I think one thing we haven't really mentioned is uh, when there's a terrible pose for a model. Yes, that's good. Or Is that more motivation, not inspiration? I can consider that Quite possibly. a I bit of both. Arguing semantics here, which is... And, or um, or if you've got an army of that's got several of the same pose and you want to mix it up a bit. Like those old metal knights of Dimoth on foot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, You can do head swaps. That'll achieve a lot. Not so much inspiration, but get some variety in our poses to, to do it. That's a good reason to convert. Yeah. Maybe we change that. Let's, reasons for converting is probably a good one we can open yeah, okay. to that. Lack of weapon options available for certain models, yep. like lances on characters and forces on some characters and stuff like that. It's becoming more and more common, the reasons for converting, because models are becoming out of production, no longer available for reasonable prices. Therefore, it's more and more important to be able to create models if you want to take that choice. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's like good. Yeah. So variety... It's a shame that he's out, out models, of print. It's a nice model. Production? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really cool model. I'd love to do a podcast on that, but a lot of our models are lost to the depths of time. But then again, there are some models that just never got released. Like, the Mounted Captain. Citadel, that still have the options for them as well, like the Mounted Citadel Guard. Yes. The uh, Reavers for Corsairs. Again, I don't think they were ever released. Wait, and, weren't um, they? They weren't released. No, the oh. Corsair Reaver models look, quite look a suspiciously good like a conversion and they'll never release. So, ah. most, people, most people who play Corsairs have them, but they've just converted them from a sword or an axe or another hand weapon. From the uh, I, I was disappointed the Orokai Scout Captain with two-handed axe was never released. Yes. There was a like a Mordor Orokai that had a, another pose. I heard a rumor that the mold was damaged when they like started the, um, making the it. The Hood Warriors and... Yeah, there's a few. Um, there's a few fourth Stalkers. Yeah, I've seen. Oh, there's like that, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but in Forge World, there's a, a model of Aragorn as Thingil when he was fighting alongside Theoden, 
And he was actually, he's actually looks kind of young. He doesn't have a beard, if I recall correctly. And he's a lot less wrinkles. And yeah. yeah. And he's wearing, um, Rohan armor on a horse. And it's quite a nice uh, conversion. I, I, I didn't that. even know Forge World did that. I don't know. It, was no, it wasn't a Forge World model. It was sitting in Warhammer World. Oh, Warhammer World. Right. Um, in a display case there. And I'm, um, photos of it got onto the internet. Someone took them from Warhammer World. Huh. Excellent. Well, there's reasons for making conversions. Let's get on to the part that we're all very excited about, especially me, because I can hardly sit still. How to create conversions, how to make conversions, how to copy other people's conversions. Let's start first with various techniques, various ways we can actually convert a model. So not looking at the models there, looking at ways we can change one of the stock models into another model. And we'll start over with Charles. As I mentioned earlier, weapon swaps or arm swaps and head swaps very simple things to do. Basically, you get two models, cut one part off another and substitute it straight onto the first model. I know I've done that with Boromir, Captain of the White Tower's lance on his horse instead of having his sword arm there because he doesn't want a lance on Boromir. Yep, and um, how difficult would this sort of conversion be to do? It's really, really simple. The hardest part is getting the angle of the arm that you're gluing on to the original model right and trying to make it sort of the right size for the model because sometimes the metal models are bigger or smaller or the shoulder joint is not in the same place and stuff like that. Yeah, it really depends on the model because there's some models which you really you can either cut them off at the hand or uh, at the shoulder, but the way their armour is you just can't cut in between. Yeah. You have to be really clever about where you cut it. And I know I've done some early conversions where I've ended up doing it, got really excited, cut the arm at the elbow, glued it back on, and the arm ended up being longer than it should be or in a really weird angle that couldn't possibly be there. Is and that what they did when they made the sculpted room mill, do you think? I think that's pretty much the room mill <laughs> plan, yeah. So we'll call that the room mill method of converting where you make one arm double the length of the other. Basically, the process is you get the model, you carefully cut it because you want to damage the smallest amount of the model as you can and then reattach it to another model, either the same type to look in a different direction or another model to get a different one. Can we go around and just give a quick example of when we've done this? Because I think we've all had a go at this type of conversion. So an example of what we did and the result we got and whether we were happy with it or not. So let's start with Danny. Okay, I'll start with the Osgiliath veterans before Tim is the <laughs> Pretty much you get some plastic ministerial, everyone has lots of them, I hope, and orc warriors, say, and all Moran and orcs, and you just keep past. You lop off heads, arms, and weapons, and you stick them all back together. If you plan really well, you don't get many leftover parts. Have you got Minas Tirith Warriors with orc heads on them? I, I do. more appropriate heads, yes, but I do. I have orcs with Minas Tirith heads on them, and you could also use them for, like, Moran and orc conversions or something. And orcs or, with orc captains. heads on them as well, I saw. Yes, I have orcs with orc heads oh, yeah, on that, them. That was the, That's the choice. most impressive one. <laughs> looked very realistic to me. Yes. Yep, so that. And Tienan, what's your idea for almost the same type of model? I was going to do my own Osculate Veterans. I think my favourite one out of all of them was Minister of Spearman, uh, with uh, his spear, which he's holding up, and a rider, the Rider of Rohan with the axe. Mm-hmm. I swapped the hands, so it looks like the uh, Warrior of Minas Tirith is resting the axe on his shoulder. I've seen it done quite a bit with Rohan, where people have put axes on models or changed the swords around to change them. It seems to be a pretty solid conversion. That piercing strike. Yeah, yeah, a <laughs> game benefit as well. Charles, what about you? Other than my uh, Boromir one that I've ranted and ranted on about, I did try to make a Berigond on horse rather unsuccessfully with my first outing with green stuff. That was just basically a plastic ministerial knight. His arm replaced with a sword arm off a captain, I think. Then I took a quiver from 
the Battle Games in Middle-Earth conversion kit that came out a very long time ago and uh, sculpted a very badly sculpted a cloak on him. Okay, so you've, you've actually touched on another technique, which we'll go to very soon. But oh, I, wow, to... I just, just remembered a better, better one. Than this okay, go for it, Tien, and choose your better answer, and uh, I'll get Travis to not edit out the other one. Oh, well, okay, I got mounted gambling with the royal banner, cut off the head and the banner, got a uh, guarded fountain court, cut off the head, and uh, repositioned the hand, stuck gambling's head with that banner onto that body. Oh, wow. And that's where I got my guarded fountain court with banner. That'll look really good. I haven't seen that. I'll have, you have really? to show you next time. No, I don't think I... I've, 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 I've seen taken that it to yeah. um, tournaments. Is it in your Oskiliath army? Yeah, I, I yeah, take it all the I time now. That. No, that looks good. It's a very good... No, that's a good example. Much better example than Danny's. <laughs> well done. That's the advantage of going second or even <laughs> yeah. fourth. And now for the fourth or fifth person, depending on if you count Tina and twice. Uh, <laughs> one of my latest ones has been my Gundabad Orcs, which are the, the new fine cast models from the... They were released with the Desolation of Small Smaug stuff. They're, they're fine casts, and the problem is that, one, they're a little bit costly, but you only get the same six poses. And they're all very different, unique poses. Like, they've got their own helmet. Each each has their own helmet. Each has their own pose. There's three with spear, three with shield. And I looked at that, and I wanted to do enough for the scenario, the Dimrald Dale scenario. So I need 36 warriors and two captains, and I did not want the same pose over and over and over again. So I sort of challenged myself to make every model different. And that was actually really easy conversions because I just chopped them off the neck, chopped them off at the shoulders, uh, chopped them off the waist, and then shuffled the models around the bits. The old chop and change. Yeah, and occasionally I had to use a little bit of green stuff to to fill the gaps. But most of the time it was just glue them back on and it was really easy. And the variety was huge because I had six unique helmets and all the different weapons. You got a huge variety there. So I was really, really happy with that. And that's definitely one of my success stories. Variety is the spice of life. Indeed it is. That sounds like it should be a catchphrase somewhere. I think it is, actually. Quite possibly, but if not, we'll just check and maybe get a trademark on it. I'll Google it now. <laughs> Please do. Okay, now, so that's our first, just the, the swapping of body parts. Usually heads and arms are the, are the best ones to do. Legs, you get an okay effect. You don't want to go overboard. Sometimes you can cut too much, so you cut wrists, you cut elbows, you cut shoulders, and you can end up overcomplicating it. So be careful about it, plan ahead, make sure you cut in clever spots. Tienan, so, what's our next technique? Uh, green stuffing, I believe. Absolutely it is. So Or grey stuffing, depending on the colour of your stuff. Yes. So for those who don't know what stuff is, basically <laughs> a two-part epoxy uh, sculpting material we call green stuff, uh, usually by a com- I don't know if the company's Nita Diet. The, the, it's Nita Diet is the, the material. I know that Games Workshop has sold some, and I think they still do. I know a lot of the companies sell them. You get them in tubes, in rolls, in ribbons. And basically, you get one part's a hardener and one part's the, the material. You mix them together, and once you do it, starts a chemical reaction where they become reasonably hard. So during that time, before they get they get sort of solid, you push them around, you sculpt them, move them around, and get the shape you want. You can use it for joining models, for sculpting. Has anyone had any experience with this? I know that I've used a lot, but has anyone else had a go with the green stuff? Yeah, I tried to use it a very long time ago without much success. I ended up with thumbprints all the way through it because I didn't realise you're actually, before you sculpt it, you're supposed to let it harden a little. Yep, and so, um, <laughs> that helps. Yeah, 
I ended up with thumbprints all the way through it because it was really soft and really easy. And then I'm like, oh, I've got thumbprints through it. What do I do? What do I do? And kind of panicked and just left it there. Yep. And I'll go over <laughs> a bit of a do's and don'ts in a moment. So yeah. your experience was a bit of a failure. Yeah. Oh, so did you panic and step your hand to your face? <laughs> Staple my hand to my face. <laughs> what? He's been wondering why there's that staple in your forehead all podcast. <laughs> and um, that could be the explanation for what? it. What? I don't even... Yeah, I'm confused. Dean, have you had worry. any experience with, with the stuff? Yeah, I, I've been using a lot of grey stuff recently, which is just different colour. I think my best use of it was on a Mordor troll to mm-hmm. try and convert him into a Mordor troll chieftain by giving him a fur cloak, which I think all of you have seen at some point. I don't think I have actually seen it. Can you describe it? To the listeners, I know that this is an audio oh. medium, but can you go into vivid detail about the textures, about the sights, about what it looks like, and really give us a good image of it? Go. How tall is it? Well, it's a more of a troll. Put a little bit of a wave into it, you know. Like uh, Keep going. <laughs> you know, and the edges are a little, a little frayed because you know he's a troll. He's he lives rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, from yeah, the bad part of the neighborhood. You might need to explain your hand gestures here <laughs> because the listeners can't. No, they, they oh, can imagine. Just... I think those words are, are apt to describe the, the yeah. rough nature of said Mordor no, chieftain. I've put a patch on it because, again, it's a little frayed. It's got some holes in it. He made but, some uh, repairs. But my, my favorite part of it was the fur, the fur mantle at the top, which uh, which turned out surprisingly well, mm-hmm. considering I'd never done fur before. Now, we can all imagine this perfectly. Can you describe how you created that fur? Because I've got this perfect image of this Mordor troll chieftain in my head, which hopefully you post a picture up of. So please describe how you created the fur. Oh, how I did it. I think I got someone's weapon. I, like in I real forget. Life, I... So, you, so you've taken a, <laughs> like a cavalry saber from a historical reenactor and, and started sculpting with it? Or... Are they even legal? Historical reenactment, you can, I think, have swords and stuff for that purpose. You have to be part of a club and all them things. But there's oh, a have clause. A license or, something. or you can just get a license. But I think there's a clause where you don't need a license. Don't sue me if this is wrong. Check all the legal Okay, so on clause, did the cloak have... The fur cloak have claws in it, or did you remove those from it? <laughs> well, uh, what I meant was that I used a weapon from a model. I'm a big fan of Damrod's sword because uh, I mm-hmm. can poke holes in cha- uh, for chainmail for that uh, is it quite round? well. Is it round? Damrod's sword I, is kind of pointy. It is pointy, but I'm just putting holes in for chainmail and occasionally doing sculpting. You may parts. find your sculpting will improve if you do not <laughs> use Damrod's sword. I Lies by sculpting tools. Sculpting on a budget. <laughs> a pin will work, a modelling knife will work, a spoon will work for some things. I occasionally use my scalpel. For the fur, I uh, just press the sword sort of side on, mm-hmm. down for, uh, at the very bottom, just along it. Yep. Then I did a sort of next row and did the same thing, trying to get the sort of fur over the indentations overlapping rather than just creating a, a one long line, if you get what I'm saying. I do, and I, I really like the using non traditional tools for it. I think it's very creative. <laughs> um, points for that. The nice thing about the green stuff and the grey stuff and the, the stuff in general is that you're not limited to what you do. If the tool you use creates a specific shape, use it. So you've had some success making such appealing fur using <laughs> Damrod's sword, which is a technique that I never would have guessed myself, but I possibly will be inspired by that. Um, I also used the axe from... To start with, I didn't worry about it. It was... I sculpt it into the general shape that I want, leave it for a bit, then come back and try to sort of 
sculpt away the uh, fingerprints and put put it into the final shape. Do you consider, say, getting a wag rider if we're using model parts? You get a wag and using that and just pressing that onto the <gasps> I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> Please don't. Okay. That so would work. Danny, you've got an alternative approach. Instead of using Damron's sword and a wag to sculpt, what do you do? Well, I think your fingernails out of the question. Well, the main thing with green stuff is you've got to be patient and do it in sec- a small section at a time. There's my problem. Try and sculpt arm um, on the entire model because the fir- next thing you know, you'll sculpt the chain up beautifully and then stick your finger in it as you're trying to sculpt something else. So you mm-hmm. have to be really patient. So it helps to do multiple models at once. Green stuffing or grey stuffing if you're so inclined. To see you work multiple models at the same time sculpting there is just, a, <laughs> it's just phenomenal well, to see you For those viewers or listeners who can't actually see Danny, he actually has four pairs of arms. Yep, absolutely. So that's eight arms in total. I only wear two, you know, two arms at once. So Danny the Spider, the sculpting more than one model at a time and waiting for it to dry is a really good one. What do you use to, to get the shapes and the imprints that you want on the green stuff? I use a combination of an old Games Workshop sculpting tool, just back several generations of sculpting tool ago for most of my work, and then I use a simple, you know, craft hobby knife will work just as well for most things. It works for chainmail, works for sharp edges. I recently found, well, my mum found in a garage sale a colour shaper, which is sort of a plastic, no, like rubber-tipped paintbrush, which is really good for getting smooth cloaks and stuff. Jeremy can elaborate huh. aid on that later because I know he ha- uses them. You'll, you'll have to show me that one. What I do for the sculpting, push the green stuff, roll it up with my finger, put it in the general shape of where I want it, so push it on something. If I'm not sculpting it onto the model, I'll sculpt it onto a flat surface or something else to get the shape of it. Then I use some Vaseline, which is a petroleum-based lubricant. I just use water. Yeah, water, water's okay, but I don't like how water reacts to the green stuff for sculpting. So yeah, neither do I. I like it's because um, green stuff's hydrophobic or something. It yeah, repels I the water, so. I'm pretty sure. So I would avoid water where possible. So I lubricate my tool. I even use... <laughs> hey! I lubricate his tool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yuck. With Vaseline. <laughs> the sculpting tool that I use with Vaseline is either a hard metal... Ed- Sculptor or a nice soft rubber edged one. And then I just push into the shapes that I, that I want. I might use two at a time. So maybe the hard edged one as to. <laughs> I'm not talking about my tool at the moment, Charles. Calm down. And then use the rubber one to smooth it over. There's nothing I like better than rubbing my tool in the green stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much a a quick internet search will find many, many good green stuff tutorials. Be specific with the wording, yes. Okay, Danny, what's another way that the two of us especially like to convert models? Press models. Jeremy, can you explain what a press mold is? (laughs) Hey, don't turn the hosting back on me. That's my thing. Press molding, any sort of molding is where you create an image of something you want the shape of. Um, Like taking a picture. Yes, like taking a picture, <laughs> creating a negative image, and then using that basically as a mold to create a new one. So, replicating So, it's what kind got. of like 3D printing. Kind of like that, but this sort of old school 1990s way that I would do it. None of this futuristic stuff. So, what I do is I use a product called Instant Mold or Instant Mold. The nice thing about it is you can boil it in the water. When it's hot, you can, you can move it. It's sort of malleable, and, and you can press it into shape. And then... 
once it cools to probably about room temperature, it becomes quite hard, not totally rigid, but it's hard enough that you can press the, the green stuff into it and get the shape you want. So I've created lots and lots of extra body parts, limbs, heads, shields, weapons. Use this. Weapons are difficult because it doesn't really work that well for very thin sort of things. You're better off with a bit of wire or a bit of plastic card for that. It's really good for heads, especially if you want to add an extra hero. You might take Aragorn's head, press mold the mold around him, stuff it full of green stuff, let it dry for six to eight hours, then come back for it. You've got a spare Aragorn head, attach it to whoever, and then away you go. You've got a new conversion. I made a Knight of the Palinor Aemir on foot for Charles, where I took the parts that made normal Aemir into Palinor Fields Aemir, so the cloak, the head. The shield. The shield. And we're able to, to press that into it and create the new model that way. And then I use a little bit of sculpting to fix up maybe the hair or the joins. Yeah, and the results are quite excellent. Yeah, no, you're very happy with that. And I was happy with that. And it was a little bit sad to give that model away, actually. It was it turned out really well. I traded you for something. I can't remember what it was. I think it was something decent. I think it might have been the uh, the Helm's Deep Defenders AMS. So I think that was a fair trade. But it was Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I've actually... Over near us, I've got my bag of press-molded body parts at Teen and had a go at there. Um, I'm taking the, them all. What are the results like, Teen, and what are the positives and, and negatives about the press-molding parts? The positives is that you can make a whole lot of them. I guess the negatives is you occasionally lose a, li- a bit of detail. It's not always fully consistent. Occasionally, you'll just get a bad one, which just didn't turn out anywhere near as... A random egghead or something like that? Absolutely. Yeah, something like that. The good thing of Instamold is you can easily and very quickly make multiple copies of the same shield or something, or the same head, so you could, in your half an hour, make five or six molds and then leave them all, fill them with green stuff, leave them overnight, and if only half of them work, you've still got three good heads. The cost is relatively minimal, because if your mold doesn't work <laughs> properly, for whatever, you can air bubble or whatever, you just throw it in the boiling water again and start again. Green stuff isn't too expensive for the amount you get, though, as well. Especially if you buy it in the tubes, which I always recommend. Yeah, I really should do that. My grey stuff isn't lasting too too well. I find that's reasonably priced if you buy it in the bulk lots rather than the little small ribbons that some of the companies sell. Okay, so that is press moulding. We touched on a little bit with using Plasticard before. That was the one I mentioned. Has anyone done that? I stay well away from Plasticard. <laughs> that's beyond my abilities. Yeah, my conversion abilities extend to kit bashing, and that's about it, unfortunately. Okay. Well, I'll take <laughs> this one then. Plasticard or sheet styrene is what we sometimes call it. I usually get it at model train stores. You basically get a very thin sheet of, of plastic. You can get it incredibly thin, so fractions of a millimetre, or reasonably thick, one to two mils thick. It's getting quite thick then. And basically, it's a bit hard to work at that thickness, isn't it? It is. I prefer probably a mil or less. Yeah. Um, maybe 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 is, is really good to work with. And if you want to make a sword or a banner or something like that, it's really good material for it. So you cut it out, draw the shape on. Basically, you cut it out and then you attach it to the model, if it's plastic with a plastic glue or super glue. I usually then add some green stuff detail over the top of it, so it's a bit of a combining thing. So for a sword, you want a bit of depth to it, so you might add the green stuff next to it. You might glue multiple sheets together. You might actually carve it a little bit. Uh, Up to you. But I think that's probably the only way I've been able to create my own swords. I don't do it a lot. I know that some people, for other game systems, use it for creating vehicles and like a tank. So you've got a World War II tank or a Warhammer 40,000 tank. I've seen people use it. Uh, to modify Warhammer 40,000 models that they wanted to add to the armor on and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because I know you can buy it in, like, piping. 
Yes. So that I've seen people buy in piping and then cut the piping down the length. So they've got like semicircular pieces yes. and use that for like shoulder armor and leg armor on certain moles. Yeah, it's really good for regular geometric shapes. That you, yeah. It's hard to sculpt a circle in good yeah. stuff. So getting a, a sheet yeah. of piping and put it on is really good. And for things like shoulder pads, it might work. If you want some Dunlin shoulder pads or something, you might be able to half pipe that. Or like some, some Roman-esque kind of armor on certain that models. Really that good, would yeah. be kind of cool. I'd be press molding Roman models and using that. But what you could also do, you could <laughs> create your own shield with it, for example, yeah. and then press mold that shield. So you make yeah. one original, you sculpt it there, you put your green stuff detail on, and then use that as your original. And I've seen some of the, the greens, they call them, for the Games Workshop figures. And what they've done is they've actually used the sheet styrene to make the weapons. Yeah. That's in the originals. Um, yeah. Sometimes they, they actually cast those, so they make the weapons first, cast them in metal, and then sculpt around them. Or sometimes they use the plastic, and it tends to work really well. It's one of the limitations of green stuff. So that's getting pretty advanced. Now, as we go there, I just want anyone, one, to mention a conversion of note if you've got one. I know we've already done that, but we sort of skipped in the last couple ones. And two... Anything that you're thinking about doing, any ideas that our listeners can steal off you or be inspired <laughs> oh, by? Sorry, Danny. So let's start with Charles. The conversions of note, unfortunately, I didn't do myself. I had Jeremy do them for me. Knight of the Palomareo Mare, uh, my Theoden, which was made to match the mounted version of him. That's that correct. You came were... out as the mounted model only a while ago. Yeah, you um, what was it, a shield and a helmet on it? Yeah, a shield and a helmet. And there was, I found that specific model, but it was released for one year, and it's, it was kind of hard to find because there weren't any on eBay. Yes, and it's, it was out of print less than a year after they released the model as well, which was really unfortunate because it's the only one that where he has a shield and a helmet on foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I spent too much money on that model when it was on eBay. <laughs> ah, yeah, I actually picked up one as well. <laughs> But that was one that they released it in a pack where you had a Thaden on a horse that was already available. So most of us playing at the time didn't buy it because we already had a Thaden. And we already had that actual horse model. And that was probably after a price increase as well. So I was a bit late to the Rohan party. Yeah. That conversion, can you describe what was done to it? What was the original model? What was the new model? And Well, I think the original model for Aomer was just the, a normal Aomer on foot. Yeah, and the, the um, of, what was it? Heroes of Helm's Deep, the original box, the two towers. Yeah, and the one that comes with the on foot version with uh, with the mounted one as well. I think also. Yeah. Yes, the battle games one. Yeah, it's one. it's the it one was, that's the easiest yeah. to obtain. Then Jeremy basically did a press mold of the Knight of the Palinor's shield. He must have done a few because the detail on that one was quite good. So I don't know if he um. I did. Nailed it the first time or whatever. I usually do probably three times as many as I need and then I can pick the best because the detail, you want really sharp detail and you don't always get it. You need a lot of force to get the green stuff pressed in. Yeah. So, yeah, I did, did a few, chose the best. Probably press molded the cloak as well off the mounted Knight of the Palinor because it's like almost an exact copy of it and I love the fact that it is because it looks really sweet. And the head was a bit of a re-sculpt and a press mold as well, I think. Yeah. The heads, the Aemir or Theoden? Aemir. Aemir was okay because it was a bare head. The Theoden head I had a lot of <laughs> trouble with because the helmet detail was really sort of crisp and I couldn't An seem intricate. to replicate that. Yeah. So I had to re-sculpt some of the detail, which was actually easy. It was just lines and shapes and just get a little tiny blob and re-sculpt it. 
think it was fairly similar for Theoden. He press molded the shield and the head, yeah. and then re sculpted slightly of the head He's because the model well. Theoden model is not wearing a cloak. I don't think. Yeah, he was easier because yeah. he was the shield, which is a two dimensional press mold. Heads are harder because you have to get a little bit more around them. So what I do for that is press the mold against the table, put the model in there, sculpt around the head, and then I've got this semicircle shape around the head, covering the whole head, where the green it stops the neck. Yeah, yeah. And then I put yeah. the model out. I usually slice it at the top of the head or where the least detail is because I'm going to have to re-sculpt that part. And then against the table, I'll press the mold in with like an old paintbrush at the back of it and just keep pressing the green stuff into it to get it really tight while I hold the mold shut. Yeah. I cut a slit in the mold. And the heads are probably the hardest part to remold because of that process. But sometimes you get a bit of a wonky head. Sometimes they become a cone head, especially owls for some reason. Uh, <laughs> what about models that you think you'd be inspired to create and convert in the future? Well, I'm a Gondor player, true and true. And um, there's a huge gap in the range with the Mounted Citadel Guard. Though I know it's a really, really common conversion these days, but I want to do it. Just because they seem like a fairly solid model to have in your army. and So how would you do it? There's multiple ways of going about it, but I think I'd go with a plastic Knight of Minas Tirith, then either press mold a cloak from somewhere, like, I don't know, maybe sculpt a cloak if I was that adventurous, get a quiver off maybe a Citadel Guard Archer or maybe just a normal Gondor Archer, press mold it, I think. And I, then cut an archer in half and cut the knight in half and just do a torso up swap for the archer. Excellent. Right. And the spare is really easy as well. Yeah, you yeah. can either take it off a plastic Minas Tirith or just cut down the lance, I guess. And um, you can. there's plenty of models if you just go through your collection that will have appropriate cloaks, even if it's not the full cloak, like they might have a hood or something, just press mold the rest of the cloak and they'll save you a lot of sculpting because you'll have a good solid base to sculpt and you just have to do the edges, yep. the detailing like shoulders. That's yeah, really good advice, and I know you're really passionate about cloaks, Danny, so that's really good that you're sharing that wisdom with us. No, I haven't tried it. This is just oh, okay. hypothetical. <laughs> this is hypothetical. Excellent. Don't have to tell them that. Let's go, Tin, and then conversions you've done that you're particularly proud of how they turned out, and then what you'd like to do in the future. Well, I'm particularly proud of how that Guard of the Fountain Court banner turned out that I mentioned earlier. As I said, got the banner and the head of Gambling on a horse, which... You know, as you know, the head is attached to the banner. Stuck stuck that on after cutting off the head of the guard of the fountain court. Put in some brass rod, which I don't think we talked we about. We talked about that, but that's... Do you want to very quickly mention that, that technique? Okay. Uh, yeah, brass rod is a small bit of rod. Very good for doing... Uh... <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> very good for doing uh, spears or banner... Poles. Poles, yes, that's the word. Typically done by using a pin vise or a really tiny drill if you have one to drill through a hand and then stick it through. Essentially, when we say pin vise, we basically mean it's a handheld drill used for like fine models. So basically the drill goes against the back of your hand and you use that pressure. No, no, not the pointy bit. (laughs) Not the pointy bit. The pointy bit's away from your hand. I hope so. That's where that's going. Is that why? Yeah, is that why you've got a hole through your hand now, Jeremy? It didn't come with instructions. I had to improvise. <laughs> uh, but sort of with the drill, you don't really put the pressure on. You try and sort of use the turning to get it through there, but you can help it along in the back of your hand a bit. But it basically holds it steady, and you can drill very finely through hands. And quite often, you end up destroying the hand and end up with a fist that's missing <laughs> some fingers. But Yay. that's where the green stuff comes in. Yeah. So you use a brass rod. Yeah, I used a brass rod. Didn't have to draw, uh, drill through his hands because of the way the fountain guard hold the spear. I just got rid of the spear 
entirely. Yep. Left in his left hand, because the banner pole would be where his right hand would be. Sculpted, green stuffed a hand holding that pole. Mm-hmm. And then green stuffed a uh, sort of face wrap that all the guards of the fountain court seemed to have to cover the how mangled Gambling's lower face was. From uh, where I cut it away. And that's also a legitimate way of hiding mistakes that you make when you're hacking bits off, like hoods and face coverings Yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, if you absolutely butcher the face, it's, it's I've done that a couple of times where you just sculpt a nice mask on them or a hood on and say, yep, you can't see how terrible this hair looks. <laughs> or if you're like, working with helmets, hair coming out the back of the hair helmet is the also good. Is yeah, yeah. Best joints. Oh, yeah, and uh, I gave the guy a press mold, a Gondor shield. Excellent. Yep. Another one I did, which was not too badly, was uh, Gilgalad, which was Rivendell Knight, put chainmail on the horse, put on Gilgalad's head, sculpted a mantle. Yep. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, cu- cut have away the, the bow. for a horse? He yeah. does in the FAQ. He does it in the book. Oh, okay. But it, but okay. I was that one. I didn't end up converting it, and then I found that a bit later and went, oh, I should have done that. Oh, and I had to re-sculpt his hair and his lower jaw because the head I got off Trav was uh Did you make it the square and manly? Yes, or, or more very manly, like or healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and models for the future, what's some ideas you have there that Danny can steal? Well, one thing I would really like to see, even though I'd probably never end up, is uh, desert dwarfs, or desert dwarf rangers. Ooh. Dwarves with sort of stained uh, chainmail and you know metal in general, possibly with sort of Haradrim-style turban heads. Yeah, having some sort of sun or, protection on them. Yeah, and, and then them just being really dusty, you know, Brown sort of sort of camouflage cloaks. That'd be really cool if the evil dwarves that fought. Lawrence of Arabia dwarves. Yeah, yeah pretty much. That's good. That's and good. I, I think it would work best with dwarf rangers because of all the cloaks and stuff. Oh, I like that idea. <laughs> uh, Prepare to be stolen. I'll you steal it from Murin and Dra. Do you like some Saracen sort of crusader, but the other guys, dwarves with. The Saracens uh, weren't the crusaders. No, the other guys. The other guys. In that sort of. <laughs> He's talking about the ones they fought. You no, know, the ones they fought. Saracens and crusaders. Yeah, well, the Saracens fought the Crusaders. Yes, what I was saying. But you just combined the Crusader the two. ones they fought. The other guys. Yes, the, the Saracens. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, gotcha, gotcha. But I didn't want to just say Saracens straight up and get the. Turns out they were in a different war entirely. But that sort of you could do some scales, some nice turban helmet, chainmail, a bit there, curved swords on your moon and draw. I reckon that would be a good one. Just because I couldn't be bothered sculpting the entire dwarf ranger army. <laughs> what about conversions you've done? I'm conversions hoping you're talking about your wag riders. Oh, wag riders. Oh, my orc trackers on wag. They were pretty much because orc trackers and wags aren't available and I couldn't be bothered buying the metal ones on foot. I got some Goblin Town because everyone has Goblin Town now because everyone bought, well, we all bought Escape from Goblin Town and don't want to play goblins because I don't feel like painting that much skin. But anyway, so I got Goblin Town Goblins and I gave them Moria Goblin bows and quivers from Wild Riders. They were press molded. Some of them, some of them, I just used the plastic ones because I had them. For the mounted ones, it involved lopping them off, lopping their legs off. And then re- I generally just re-sculpted their thighs and stuck their lower legs back on, which I'd hacked off. And then re-sculpted some fur and some straps on the Wags. They ended up being a bit rushed though because the tournament was the next week or something. Oh, I think they turned out really well. I was very impressed with them. And uh, Yeah, they were pretty good. It was a really good use of the Goblin Town Goblins, really good use of the old plastic wilds, and they just really go together well. So I like that conversion a lot. Plans for the future, you talked about the Saracen. Um, that wasn't dwarves. a plan for the future, really. That's just that I couldn't do it. Um, I'd like to 
convert up some more sit guard on horse one of these days. I've yep. done a few. Uh, I've done some spearmen and barragon. I'd like to make some archers. So I'd really like to try the press molding cloaks to see if it just saves time because a lot of sculpting is how to save time while you do it and get the maximum results for the minimum. We should actually try that today. Mm. Okay, Speed sculpting. On another note, this podcast is wrapping up. Let's do some give. <laughs> uh, no, that's a really good idea. Some more there. Very quickly, I'll do mine because our time is running up, and I can just hear the timer tick, tick, ticking, and everyone's getting a little bit tired because of the late night recording. I I'm on my second can of V. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Anyway, my one of my favorite conversions is my Rivendell Knight to Ranger of the North cavalry conversion. Basically, what I did was take off every part of the Rivendell Knight that looked like a Rivendell Knight. So, the elf head, the elf armor, the elf quiver. R- Rivendell Knights are great for conversions. Yeah, I really like them. Very solid horses, nice pose models, lots of variety, great cloaks. The cloaks are amazing. Danny is a big fan of those cloaks. Uh, I am. Absolutely, you are, Mr. Okay. Cloak Aficionado. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, I did that. Then, I press molded all the relevant parts of the Range of the North. So, I had Range of the North heads, Range of the North boots, Range of the North. I didn't do the armor. That I sculpted that by hand. Uh, Ranger of the North quivers, I think, were a part. I can't remember exactly their swords. And then I put them all together and then did quite a bit of sculpting to attach it all. And I was really, really happy with the result. I've ended up doing, at this point, six of them. One of them is a Dunedain. And I might actually do some more because I really like them and, and at some point do that. But yeah, that, they were pretty amazing. I, yeah. I, you didn't fix the bows, though. They're still Revenant Night bows. They are. They I. Bows were tricky ones, so I... They're too I thin actually to don't, press mold. I actually don't like the uh, Ranger of the North bows. I think they're a bit too fat. So uh, we now have to somehow convert yeah, Rivendell Knight convert, bows on Ford. Yeah, absolutely. That's worth doing, Rivendell Knight um, And the conversions I want to do, I touched on it earlier, I want to create a whole bunch of alternative troops for my Last Alliance stuff, so for the Elves and for Numenor. So I wanted, at the moment, I've done a, a test one for a, essentially a Citadel Guard type Numenor one, so it's a straight Citadel Guard with a Numenor head. I've got some test Numenor cavalry. I want to do some maybe some Numenor skirmishes, some Numenor heavy infantry, so heavy armoured, maybe with a bigger shield. Lots of ideas there and some more characters to fill it through. Really bulk out that army just for our scenarios and for our own play because I think that could be really interesting. And likewise, have some more elf types as well, so different elves, maybe some from the center. More elves. Oh, they were going to do more pansies. Yeah. More elves, more elves. They well, were gonna... Someone's going to be dead on my bases, don't they? <laughs> That's true. They were going to release high elf chariots at one point. That would be amazing, and do that. Oh yeah, they're in legions of middle earth. Yeah. Sort of list. Yeah, go back there. There were some really nice ideas. There. I wish oh. I wish they had released Calibrimbor because he was kind of cool. Yeah, and, and by they we mean GW, of course. If you read yeah, the description of the Seven Gates of Gondolin or something that Tolkien's written, there's it describes different troops at each and different types of armor at each one of the gates. So some had. Beaks on their helmets. Some had ch- scale mails. Some had, you know, great big axes. And I'm just making this up now. But there was <laughs> a wide variety Say of it different troops. And people believe it. But then people complain on the internet because well, they will anyway. But that's what they do on the internet. But you don't want to be wrong. Wait, 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 wait. Someone on the internet was wrong. Yes. And on that note, <laughs> I think our time is running to an end. So thank you so much, Danny. Thank you, Dean, and thank you, Charles, for your thoughts. If you haven't tried conversions, please have a go at it. Please put photos up on the internet. Send them to us. We really, really like to see other people so we can steal their ideas. What's our email address, Jeremy? Uh, do do we have, have an email? Try. I think Travis is going to put that at the end of them. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, hopefully he does that because I, I can't remember it offhand. Neither can and I. remember, 
Traps don't win matches. People win matches. <laughs> Dice rolls and variants. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.